That's Herb Alpert in the Tijuana Brass. I'm Meg Rowley. And on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, I welcome to the program for the very first time someone who has been instrumental to its success, editor and podcast extraordinaire Dylan Higgins. Dylan joins me to discuss his various baseball-related internships, including some stints with the Australian Baseball League and the Pacific Coast League. We also indulge in a little bit of editor talk, being two editors, and discuss appropriate baseball meetup etiquette, which is very important. Also, I must regrettably inform all of the parents in our listening audience that this episode contains exactly one unbleeped swear, just one, but exactly one, which is likely to fall around the eight and a half minute mark and which will be telegraphed well in advance, but which will also alter and offend any children who may be listening. So watch out for that. All of that is coming up, but first it is my obligation to tell you that Fangraphs memberships are now available at Fangraphs.com for the monthly cost of one ballpark helmet ice cream. You know, those little ice creams that they put in a little helmet for you. You can support all of the great work at Fangraphs, which includes Eric Longenhagen and Kylie McDaniel's coverage of the upcoming MLB draft, Dan Zimborski, Jay Jaffe, and Craig Edwards on all of the recent contract extensions we are seeing throughout baseball, and the work of all of our wonderful new contributing writers. Very exciting stuff. You may also, for a slightly greater sum, purchase an ad-free membership and enjoy Fangraphs without banner ads, facilitating faster loading times. That bit of business being now complete, I take you to my conversation with Dylan Higgins, editor for Fangraphs, which begins right now. started recording i was just telling you that i've never been on this side of the recording and it's literally like an interface i've never seen like oh yeah it's it's pretty it's this is great radio but yeah it's straightforward it's a good it's a good little piece of tech that helps us to do our podcast allows you know even novices like me relative novices like me you're killing it to do my job uh i don't know about that you know on the effectively wild side, I just get to uh, show up, and Ben does a lot of the work because he's great like that. And then you do a lot of work, and then uh, twelve hours later, there's effectively wild for all the folks. Sure, sure. Do so. you feel that doing Fangraphs audio as the host is it like does it feel different recording wise? Like how much prep? Like maybe not today, but in general, are you like I got to structure the show and book guests and stuff? It depends a lot on who I'm talking to, sure. you know, and I, I try to, I think that prep is important regardless of who you're chatting with. Cause I think that even when you listen to podcasts between people who are good pals, if they are totally unstructured, it, it often shows and just like a, a little bit of tightening can make things go much more smoothly. Although I am saved from all sorts of hems and haws and swears by you. So, um, You've you've allowed an environment in which I can be very loose. Sure. But yeah, if if I'm talking to someone who doesn't work at Fangraphs, I tend to do more prep because, you know, I, I probably know them less well. And while I don't want to waste our staff's time, I am conscious that it is a, a, a touch more tricky to get someone who doesn't work for us on, on the pod than not. But sometimes, you know, you need to do a podcast really quickly and you lose a guest and then you just look around and you're like, oh, I wonder what uh, you know, Jay or Eric or Kylie are doing. Sure. Guess we're going to talk about random stuff. So You have, you have a stable to pick from that I, I feel is, is good. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And you ended up with me still, which is... Well, I figured, you know, you are a critical part of our operation here, both uh, at Fangraphs proper and certainly on the podcast side, and y- you'd never been on Fangraphs Audio. I have not. No, Did you I've... offend Carson in some terrible way? Was he mad at you? Uh, no, but since he's left, he's not responding to my emails, so that's for sure, <laughs> which... <laughs> oh no uh, but no no i don't know i i was telling you i have this imposter syndrome of being like well i don't write about baseball i don't analyze baseball but i suppose that's not i mean we can still talk about fangrass and baseball things for sure yeah uh i i think i think you know a lot about baseball dylan i think you shouldn't tell your yourself short sure uh, you certainly know enough to edit the the good baseball words of other people at fangrass.com yeah been doing that for a year or so now and it's been great yeah I'm, I'm finally settling in to be in like oh especially with our like newest hires of like i'm not the new guy no and it and it feels more comfortable in terms of editing and quite literally my job is correcting other people's work and that's like uncomfortable when you're the new person yes you know? but i'm not the new person anymore no so much so it's easier to be like hey you should have oxford commas here or whatnot you should but have oxford commas there it's always oxford commas i i can't believe i mean i can because human beings are sort of persnickety by nature and also um prone to tribalism and keen to take sides the oxford comma debate remains one of the best dumb things yeah to exist in the yeah. world I'm glad that we had the precedent of the Oxford comma at the site so that as uh, relative newcomers, neither you nor I had to enforce that rule, uh, Mm -hmm. or at least we did not have to establish that rule. We just had to concern ourselves with enforcing that rule. But people are feel very strongly about the Oxford comma. Vampire Weekend wrote a whole song about it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, so I have a, a friend that I recently found out, like an acquaintance. I found out that he is a copy editor. He, like... I uh, edits like technical science journals and I like started to geek out for a second. I was like, Oh, let's talk about grammar or something. And, and I was, and that was one of the things I was like Oxford comma. And he gave me the most reasonable response where he's like, yeah, I think it's necessary. And it was like, you have a firm stance, but like, you're clearly not passionate about it. And I was like, yeah, that's also how I think most of us should be is like, yeah, it makes sense, but also calm down. He might be a very good voter. (laughs) <laughs> should be entrusted with important decisions in our democracy. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, my my, we're gonna do just so our listeners know. There's gonna be some editor talk in here, and yeah. uh, and I hope that it will be interesting or at least edifying. And if it's not, well, um, I'm sure you'll tell us because you tend to make your opinions known. I think that. My stance on the Oxford comma is much more practical, which is that there are instances where it is likely not necessary for clarity. But I think that in the course of being very busy with writing business, that it is sometimes difficult for writers to switch gears, right? That the burden of remembering the instances in which it is very necessary in order to prevent, you know, using an adjective to describe someone that it's not supposed to or suggest odd couplings, which is often what happens when Oxford commas are not applied when they ought to be. I think that people forget, you know, I think they forget. I think they don't get in the habit. And you're never going to be mad that the comma is there, even if it isn't strictly necessary. And so from a practical perspective, I think we should just do it because otherwise there will come a day where one of us is tired and we don't notice. And then we imply uh, a romantic relationship between two baseball players on fan graphs. And 
I'm not opposed to that, but I think we should be doing it on purpose rather than by accident. That should be at like not graphs or like something else and not what we're trying to do on the main page. Yeah, I've heard a lot of arguments for it and I've honestly not heard any good arguments against it. And the thing we often talk about is just plain consistency, like pick a lane and stick to it. Yeah. And so if it makes sense sometimes, I'm like, let's just do it all the time. Like that's, that's my not also not passionate feelings about it of like, yeah, why not? Absolutely. More commas. Dylan, I'm going to do a swear and you're going to hear it firsthand and then you're Mm going to hear it secondhand when you edit it out. But, you know, I don't know if you actually have to edit this swear because I'm quoting. So maybe not. You You know, in that Vampire Weekend song, they ask, who gives a fuck about an Oxford comma? And every time I listen to it, I say, well, I do. I I give a fuck about that don't bleep the first one but do bleep the second one because that's just me that's not quoting yeah i think that's how that goes sure we're gonna gonna, go with that you're gonna get your big old explicit tag on itunes on the (laughs) fangraphs audio i would like to apologize in advance to all of the parents who are listening to fangraphs audio while driving their children's soccer practice but it will only underscore the importance of the Oxford comma. That's what yeah. I think. Blame Vampire Weekend. Apparently. Yeah. I mean, they're they're very punchable. Not Meg Riley. Not her words. She's <laughs> not, not liable. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan, I think a lot of people probably don't know very much about you as a human person. Yeah, that's probably true. My job as an editor is to be a little bit invisible. That's so. true. Yeah. That's true. And uh, you don't, you know, you don't write words at fangraphs.com, though you do edit most of the words, at least in some degree, to some degree. And uh, of course, make Effectively Wild and this podcast possible to varying degrees. But Dylan, I realized when I was asking you um, what you wanted to talk about on this episode of Fangraphs Audio that I did not know a fact about you, which is that you, you worked in baseball in Australia, yeah, that was that was part of my baseball resume. I think my Twitter bio says lists a few of my jobs and anywhere they'd let me intern because like many, just a lot of baseball internships. But the coolest one was, yeah, I spent six months with the Perth Heat of the uh, Australian Baseball League in 2011, 2012, like that winter. Yeah, that's the number one thing is their season runs like October to February, right. which was which was fun and was like honestly part of what took me down there is I was fin I I lived in Korea and I was finishing my year in Korea in like September and I was like I want to work in baseball again but the season doesn't start till the spring what am I going to do all winter and I was like oh I know I can work in the southern hemisphere <laughs> and literally applied for a job that way it was like I have a winter but yeah. I was the media relations manager for the whole club. Oh, and they're like, yeah, you're going to be an intern in the media department and do media relations. And I was like, cool, I want to do more of that. And I showed up and on my first day, I was like, cool, I'm here to intern in the media department. Who's my boss in this department? And they were like, oh, you you are the media department. Like, you, it's you. You. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it's you. I, the general manager is your boss and you're the media person. And I went, oh, and... uh Got thrown in the deep end very much, which made it like one of the most rewarding internships I had in terms of the good and bad of responsibility of like, wow, I was given things I should not have been in charge of. But also I learned how to do those things. So. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Were there any, um, I'm investigating the Perth heat. Yeah. What, se- what season was this again? 2011, 2012, I believe. I'm old. I, have to, I think that's right. Let's take a look here. Yeah. Perth Heat, oh, they have a Wikipedia page. You're not on this Wikipedia page so far as I can see. So that's No. I that seems good, I'm not, though. I would imagine that I'm not on there. I would think that it would be 
it would be bad if you as the media relations uh, person had found your way to the Wikipedia page. I'm looking to see if there were, were there any, um, you know, current now or former in the past major leaguers on the roster at that time? So our guy, our local hometown hero was uh, Luke Hughes. Do you remember Luke Hughes? Maybe. He was a utility guy for the Twins like forever ago. And was yeah, he played a handful of seasons and was a kind of a quad A guy, which made him an all-star in Australia. Sure. Oh, boy. He was our guy. Luke is great. Got to know him. He's super cool. He was our stud. Had a lot of guys that played some organizational ball, you know, mm-hmm. but very few major leaguers. Um, our pitching coach was Graham Lloyd, who, you know, had a ring with the Yankees and was really awesome and fun. And then Liam Hendricks yes, was... I was just about to say, hey, look at that. Let's look. It's Liam Hendricks. He was from Perth and sometimes around, but did not play for the Heat that season because I think he was worried about being a major league or almost major league player around then. So he was not on the club when I was there, but he was another one of those hometown guys for sure. Got it. But yeah, it was it was really interesting. It was a kind of a wild league and... It's gone like underwater and come back a number of times, and it's been good in this incarnation. But yeah, they were doing all sorts of stuff. They had uh, some imports coming over. Oh, I got one. We had Michael Gibbons. Oh, yeah? As a shortstop. Oh. Yeah. And we knew then they were like, he's a shortstop. He can, he has the arm and this and that. And they were like, if things go bad, he might become a reliever. And he did. He became a pretty okay reliever. Like, there you go. He did. He was something like a second round pick. That's off the top of my head. I could fact check that, but I'm not. But yeah, they were like then. They were like, oh yeah. And so when I saw him coming up as a reliever, I was like, I remember that guy. But yeah, it was cool. I, we, uh, I, we, the team I was working for won the championship that year. Cool. And so I have and I'm holding my Perth Heat championship ring that I had to, I, I was allowed to have one slash had to pay for one, but like how often do you get a chance has my name on it so it's like one of those big gaudy awful like class rings but i mean when you work in the australian baseball league and win a ring like you buy one i guess so you you haven't worn the to any fangraphs events right so i have it i just had to like find it right now i usually am like i can wear it once a year and it's winter <laughs> meetings or whatever what am i gonna like wear it out it's, you should wear it to fangraphs events <laughs> i should so absolutely so i'm like you wear it to the winter meetings and i forgot it this year Aww. it's yeah i will i'll remember next time because it's really silly looking but winter meetings is when you can wear that that's a very good, I think, reader meetup bit of bit yeah. of tchotchke to bring with you. It's a conversation starter because people are like, oh, what's that ring? And I'm like, oh, Perth Heat, Australian Baseball League. Like, it's really kind of silly looking. Um, but yeah, it's good. It has our record on it. We were 39 and 13. Oh, boy. It, yeah. It, well, it's also a six-team league. So, uh yeah, but no, it was it was a fun stop on my uh, my internship career of working wherever. Do they still play in the? Am I saying this right? Barbagallo Ballpark. Yeah. Barbagallo Ballpark. Yeah, that's hard to say. I believe they are still there. I think it's now Harley Davidson Park or oh, something. That's like way that. less good. Yeah, it's um, far, far less good. Yeah, but I'm sure Harley Davidson gave him a nice amount of money for it. So there you go. Perth Harley Davidson Ballpark. Mm. Yeah, that sounds right. All right. But uh, but yeah, no, that was a that was a fun stop. The Australian League was super cool, for sure. You should you should see who you can trick into thinking that your Australian Baseball League 
uh, ring is a ring for a major league team. Because yeah. I have seen, I have seen, uh, you know, like if you go to a college game and there are scouts there, mm-hmm. occasionally you will see a scout wearing his World Series ring, yeah. which is just like the most incredible flex yeah. I've I've ever seen. Sure, you know, I they're gaudy and awful, but if I if I had one. And I were scout, I would wear it in the well, scout section. That's how I feel about wearing this anywhere, like even to a fan grass meetup for the, the no, winter it meetings. Would, it would be a great conversation starter. It is that. I'm like laughing about it as I do it. I'm like, this is really silly and gaudy looking. And you know, like, that's that's really what you're aiming for at a, at a reader meetup is a thing to talk to folks about. I mean, sure. you saw me at our reader meetup in Arizona, and I was wearing a t-shirt that had various stills of Ken Griffey Jr. swing, and sure. it said, porno Griffey. <laughs> and you know... You know, I miss you, that actually. You you just do it so that people have a thing to talk to you about because sure. it's an awkward, weird situation to walk up to strangers and say like, "You like baseball? I know you do, and I like it too." But what now? That meetup was super fun, but I just kept being hit by this weird thing we deal with of having the most extreme niche form of celebrity, where you're like. <laughs> I'm in a room and people are coming to this room to see me and talk to me. More you than me, but also collective me, me. Of like, they're going to know who I am and I don't know who they are. And then if you try to explain to somebody why you're niche famous, it's like, all right. There's, you know, a very 0.001% of people, but like still. uh, And it was fun. And all of our readers are great. And it was fun to talk to everybody. But it's just kind of a weird like, oh, you know who I am, huh? Okay, cool. Let's talk about the Padres and their farm system. And it was great. Yeah, I go back and forth on those events about whether or not we ought to have people wear name tags, because I think that uh, for most of our staff, you're right, I don't know if I would use the word famous, because that seems insane. Niche, but um, Niche famous is but, the phrase I'm leaning into. Right. I think that most members of our staff, like people know what, what we look like, kind sure. of. People definitely guess who I am because sure. there are often very few women there. Although I think we did very well in Arizona. We had quite a diverse group of folks, which Absolutely. was really lovely. And and so I sometimes wonder if we shouldn't have people wear name tags because it helps to balance things a little bit. Yeah. You know, and no no offense to our readers, but it's like, you know, after a while, every white guy in a baseball cap kind of looks the same. So it might be good. But also then you really can't be anonymous you know, I will admit to a bit of, of bad reader meetup behavior, not while I have been employed by Fangraphs, but I one time at a, a industry meetup, I lied to someone about who I was. Like you did, well, did you? They were like, are you Meg? And I was like, no. Oh, so I'm they knew. I was, I was tired. He was a close talker. Yeah. And uh, and I just didn't I didn't have it in me in that particular moment to put on a a happy face and, uh, you know, extricate myself from a close talker after a you know polite period of time. So I just fibbed. I was I was hoping like you had talked to strangers and they said, what's your name? And you quickly like came up with a pseudonym, (laughs) not a denial, but more of a a fake name. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't that quick on my feet i just yeah. uh i just lied i just said no that's not me oh, that's less creative and less fun but completely understandable and reasonable uh, yeah sometimes uh, Lindsay adler who's a friend of mine who writes for the athletic and covers the yankees beat and does just a phenomenal job for them has fibbed to other writers about whether she is uh me or emma bachelary because we are all <laughs> 
brunettes who work in baseball. Be, again, again, because it was a confusion or because she thinks she's funny? No, she was just trying to mess with Grant Brisby because uh, uh, Lindsay's yeah. a delightful trickster. Yeah. Uh, you don't need a reason for messing with Grant Brisby, I feel like. like yes. That's... Grant has relayed this story on Twitter uh, after winter meetings, so I feel comfortable sharing it. But um, sure. yes, she, she fibbed and said, uh, no, I'm Emma. And uh, then Grant was very nervous that he had misidentified a person he knows <laughs> and has met before. But, That's you know, so there, there are so few of us that sometimes those things become more, um, you know, they, they become more believable than they ought to be. But anyhow, yeah. we don't have to keep talking about uh, winter meetings or, or reader meetups because you've done more internships than just Australia. And I want to I want oh, you to talk about the letters and voicemails that you received when you were interning for it was the pacific coast right yeah the pc held the pacific coast league i forgot i told you this story yeah uh so right after australia came back in the spring and long story short landed a internship in the pacific coast league office so it wasn't with a club it was with the league office which is pcl is half of triple a it's all the west west ish teams so there's either 16 or 14 uh pcl clubs and the other mm-hmm. ones the international league blah blah blah. it was in round rock texas uh right outside of austin where the express play but except not at the ballpark in the league office and uh the league office was like three full-time people and their rotating intern which was me and the coolest part of this job was other was six months with uh the league president is branch ricky the third and he's still there, as far as I know. And so I spent a summer hanging out with Branch Ricky, which was, of course, really, really cool. And everybody in that office was cool. But being an intern in a league office, or, like, what do you think goes on in the league office of, like, half of a minor league level? It's just, honestly, most of the job is scheduling and, like, working with umpires. Because we're in charge of, like, all the umpire stuff. But, like, all the clubs are running their own stuff. So a lot of answering phones and directing stuff. And it was the only time I've ever had, like, a day job in baseball. I'm like, I'm working 9 to 5 at a desk and not at the ball club or whatever. Right. But anyway, uh, what kind of people do you guess contact a minor league league office with things to say? If I were going to guess, I would make some assumptions about, say, the average age of that individual. I would imagine that the average age of that individual is closer to, say, someone able to collect Social Security than not. Yes. Would my assumption be right? Yeah. And also, they're like... They're not hitting us up on Twitter, and they're not hitting us up on Facebook. (laughs) When we were there, we didn't even have that, really. Like, we didn't have a web presence because... Again, if you're a fan of, like, the Fresno Grizzlies, like, you're getting that through them. You don't need the Pacific Coast League League office to tell you who hit a home run. You know, we did, like, Players of the Week and stuff. Anyway, I'm looking. The PCL is, like, ancient. It was founded in 1903. So a lot of people that are fans of this league or teams in this league have, like, known them for, like, forever. So, yes, also, while we're generalizing, they're old. And so I would get voicemails or emails from people that I would filter through as the intern of just like, hey, you should bring a team back to Hawaii, which was a thing decades ago. (laughs) And they're like, that would be good. Here's how I think it would work. And they'd like detail it out in an email, but it'd be like written in Comic Sans and sometimes like the email text in different colors and stuff. And they were always like sweet. They were never rude, but a lot of times it's like, okay, I don't know what to do with, like, do I kindly reply and be like, that's not realistic? Or like, a lot of the replies were like, thank you for emailing us. We appreciate your input. 
Like, what do I, what do I do? There are people would like email in asking for like, or snail mail in asking for like autographs or, Hey, can you send us the league schedule? Like they would send you a letter and be like, will you send us the schedule? And I'm like, what for the 16 teams? Like, what do you? And so I just print stuff out and mail it back to him. Be like, sure, dude. Like, here you go. Like, here's the, the schedule for the Grizzlies that I printed off their website for you. Cause maybe they don't have a computer and like, sure. that's fine. So it was like not even annoying. It was like cute and kind of silly, but they're like, oh yeah, this is the kind of emails that the Pacific Coast League League Office gets. Okay. All right. Did you find that they were fans of the parent club of whatever team they were inquiring about, or were they fans of the Round Rock Express? And I asked that question because a year or two ago, I guess it was maybe 2017, because I think I was still uh, at Baseball Prospectus. I was not yet full-time. The Everett Aqua Sox were in in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. and uh, they kept getting rained out. And, you know, you have to, like, do your playoffs in a certain amount of time. And the Mariners were on the road. And so they did a very cool little thing where they brought a game or two of the uh, of the league's postseason run. And I, I wrote about this, so I'm embarrassed to admit I don't remember exactly what round they were in. But they brought them to Safeco. because they're like, awesome. It was it was delightful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was general admission. I think the tickets were like $5. Yeah. And they cordoned off. They sort of went a little past each dugout to dugout and, you know, had very limited concessions. But you could, you know, buy a hot dog oh, and sure. a beer. And Mariners were on the road. So they were they had the out-of-town scoreboard lit up and the, cl- the home club was on it, which was very bizarre to look at. And DePoto was there and he was sitting, you know, pretty close to home plate. And I, you know, was kind of watching him watch this baseball game because, of course, I did. And, uh, you know, people were coming up to him saying, hey, <laughs> you know, like people have no shame, uh, which is strange, but also was delightful in this moment because they're just walking up to the general manager of the Seattle Mariners and asking him questions uh, and trying to sit with him <laughs> during the yeah. baseball game. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing you noticed when people came is that most of the people there, they were. They were Aqua Sox fans. Oh, yeah. They were not necessarily Mariners fans. I mean, some of them had gear on from from both, uh, right? But you got the sense looking at some of those folks that if tomorrow, you know, and I, I bring this up because like Round Rock changed parent yes, clubs, right? Like they're no longer affiliated with the Rangers. They're, they're the Astros AAA affiliate now. And I think that if Everett were to cease being, uh, you know, rookie ball for the Mariners, that these folks would just still be uh, Everett Aqua Sox fans. Yes. You know, they'd still want to be host families. So it was a very, it was very interesting to watch sort of where in their fandom they were, they were choosing to engage. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I don't know if, if you ever have worked in the minor leagues, but that's something I've definitely not. noticed a bunch is like, Man, are there minor league fans. Right. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Or like, even in like Perth, like, mm-hmm. we had season ticket holders. Like, it's not crazy that we'd sell season tickets, but like, there were fans that I'm like, you're here every game, huh? Like, right. Really? Right. Like, really? And like, I think I've told you, like, I love baseball, but like, no, 
like 81 a year or whatever like no i mean it was less than that in australia but like sure. no way like uh uh-uh. like i don't know like that's a lot that's yeah. a lot to not be being paid to be at <laughs> i feel like uh at least 81 i'm not saying don't get season tickets but like especially at like the minor league level of like you come to every aqua Sox game huh yeah i'm kind of kind um and that's that's great though like i mean they're yeah. in love with baseball in the same way many of us are in love with baseball and it's if you're from everett and you have right. a team like you bet, you know, and um, I'm looking here. Everett's been with the Mariners since 1995, yeah. and like that makes sense. And I don't think they're owned by the Mariners, which is a thing that's happening in the minors more now. But I don't remember. I know the Rainiers, the Rainiers, uh, one of the owners of the Rainiers, I think, is a yeah, but. In terms of like having a game at Safeco, like for the Mariners, and I obviously don't have any insight to this really, but like that's a good bone to throw to your affiliate who is you don't own, but like your business arrangement, like that's really great, you know, for for the Everett, for the Aqua Sox, like for the Mariners, like no skin off their back, you know, like that's a really cool thing to definitely tie them to, you know, turn Everett fans into Mariners fans, obviously, you're the ones that aren't, but yeah, uh, I know exactly what you mean about you know, players that are fans of like their local team for sure. Like, especially if you're from Everett. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it does impress upon you just how, you know, how much growing guys at that age might have to do. Yes. Um, you know, there were definitely high school kids, like they're not high school kids anymore, but recent high school kids on that field. And you're like, yeah, "Yeah, you got some good weight to put on. So it's, it's funny to watch them running around Safeco uh, already. You're like, I wonder if I'll ever see you here. My second baseball job was for the uh, Eugene Emeralds, which are also Northwest League, same league, same age, down in Eugene, Oregon. And you would see the players in uniform during the day and this and that. And yeah, they look like baseball players, you know, and then... After a game and after work, they would get on their bicycles and ride their <laughs> bicycles back across town to like the homestay they're at because they're 18, because right. they are children. And like you forget right. for sure. And they're like eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the clubhouse because that's how we feed our minor leaguers and like stuff like this. Because like, yeah. or even like there were also like teenage, you know, Dominican kids and like. Right. Yeah, they are they are children. They don't look like it on the field because they're one, they're giant athletes, and two, they're you know in uniform and all that. But oh yeah, you would see them right after the game and be like, oh, they're literally riding bicycles. <laughs> and I don't think it's because they're like green friendly. I think it's because they don't have a car. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, is is yeah, it was interesting to see for sure. Minor leagues are fun. Minor leagues are a blast. Yeah, they can be it's a different kind of baseball, but it is quite it is quite delightful. And yeah, I I as a as a still sort of Mariners fan, um, you know, the most exciting thing about them. Well, they keep hitting home runs, but that probably won't sustain itself. So the actual yes. most exciting thing about them is uh, definitely their their minor league situation. And you you're happy that you can just drive down the road to Tacoma and go see see those guys if you want to. Yeah. So I always do feel bad for for fans of uh, it's just nice to have your AAA club at least proximate to your big league club and. Some of these, some of these folks are quite a ways away, but um, I was gonna say, especially working on the Pacific Coast League, I'm like, yeah. sometimes the affiliates make sense, and sometimes you're like, wait, what? Like, right. okay, right. all right, yeah. That's how you end up with folks having to drive very, very fast to make a make a start because the you know plane won't work or whatever. So yeah, 
It's nice when they're kind of close at hand. Uh, Dylan, what other editor talk should we have? I'm asking because uh, we have actual like editor work that we're going to have to go do soon. So, sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Those prospect notes, they do not edit themselves. But what other editor talk? What's, what's been the most surprising thing to you about editing words at fangraphs.com? Um, well, that's a good question that I was not prepared for. It's my fault I didn't prepare you. That's I did okay. a terrible job. No, that's fine. Uh, I feel like the first takeaway is, this is just like personal, but in the last year or so, again, I'm going to use the phrase imposter syndrome again. I'm just being like, at first I'm like, I can't believe I'm getting hired for this job I'm not qualified for. And now that I've been doing it for a year, I'm like, oh, I'm okay at this actually. And I don't mean that to be like, people are crappy writers and need help because that's certainly not the case. But in terms of just being like, oh, I am finding ways that I can help edit and I can help do mm-hmm. this and help do that. And a lot of times it's editing. A lot of it is just basically proofreading, but you got to be like good at that part of it. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm finding pieces uh, all the time where I'm like, oh, I know how to like help this or how to fix this. I've learned to do that. That's been especially true with the community blog, which is its whole thing, which is not professional writers that are submitting very cool and talented things to fangrass but being like cool i can actually do my job as an editor and make this easier to read for (laughs) all of us uh which is good so um that's like more personal but like that's been my takeaway is like oh i'm actually because like i didn't go to school for editing i've never taken an editor class i've never like my degree is not in anything like that you know but just finding out like oh it turns out i am equipped to do this has been really cool and then just more of the more time you spend around writers and seeing like what their process is for trying to, you know, either come up with a topic or research or mm-hmm. where their brains go and what they're going to try and put into words is <laughs> really fun. Seeing how the sausage is made, but um, in a really cool way has been fun. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's we always know who is writing what, but it is amazing how um, after just even a couple of weeks, you're like, I could probably, you know, if I were if a name were obscured, I could identify who this person is just based on the voice that's in the writing. Yeah. You know, it's just another way of getting to know someone, I suppose. And I like that. And the more working with the staff, the more I'm starting to go, oh, this is a piece written by so-and-so. I know what to expect a little bit. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's editor-wise of what, what might need editing, but also just like, oh, this is how they're going to write, you know. And it's right. really fun. I always say that, like, our pal Dan Zimborski, like, has a Dan Zimborski voice. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's great. You know, it's a lot of fun to be like, oh, Dan, you made a joke that sometimes I feel like, Dan, that joke is only for you and the five people that are going to get it. But I really appreciate that because I do that, too. Yeah, and I'm like, five people are really going to appreciate it. Yeah, they're really going to. It's killing with those five people. Uh, <laughs> and I love that. So, but yeah, like, I'll, like obviously, we have a awesome, like super talented staff. And it's really cool to get to know all of their writing from editing side of it and, and just reading a lot of fan graphs all the time. Yeah, they're pretty all right. We'll keep them. I yeah. think we'll we'll have them hang around. I've gotten to the point where I think almost entirely I can identify which uh, blurb in our prospect backend, you know, the, the place where I edit blurbs sure. to go up on lists. I think that my hit rate, d- differentiating, say, Eric from Kylie, is probably at, like, 99% right now. Yeah, you could do, like, the, like, blind word taste test of yes. being, like, oh, that's that's a Kylie blurb. Yes. Like, right there. 
I can see that. Do oh, they? This one tastes like a protein bar. Kylie must have written this one. Well, and they also they write <laughs> in prospect speak all the time, and yes. sometimes I feel like, at least when I edit, is I need to make this a little more clear for the people that like aren't <laughs> scouts to read it. You oh. know. Not, not like terribly, and like I know what they're talking about, but sometimes I'm like, let's spell this out a little more. It's it's almost like scout shorthand. Does that make sense? It does. I yeah. think they they do a good job of intervening on that impulse themselves. But yes, we all yeah. have our we all have our little moments. But yes, it is a it is a funny it is a very um it's a it's a funny way to get to know someone. But it is yeah. a way to get to know someone. Certainly, you you know establish these very close work relationships as a result of spending time with like the un the unadulterated copy of someone it's yeah very revealing yeah. well and i think it's like in and i'm not trying to like criticize those two at all they're but like they're very easy to edit it's just different i'm like this is a scout thing um i edited at uh mlb.com for a while and was often doing prospect stuff so like Jim Callis, who's wonderful mm-hmm. and writes great and this and that, and he had come from Baseball America from years ago. He also at times writes in that like scout speak, where I'm like, oh, we don't refer to it this way, refer to it that way, or mm-hmm. this or that. Um, and he's brilliant and his stuff's great, but I'm like, oh, this this was written by a scout. I'm going to tweak it this way a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I see that in them too. It's really interesting though. That's the other thing I love is that we have such a wide stable of views on things of like we do have actual like talented scouts writing on things and also we've added people from other countries that are writing on things and then you know cheryl is writing on like legal things and like talk about a unique voice like that's really cool um yeah so that's been fun as i don't feel like i'm editing the same stuff every day like by any means there's yeah 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 turns out we work at a really good site that makes really good content (laughs) and it's been uh i'm fond of it yeah yeah, I, I would say I would I would call myself fond of it as a place mm-hmm. to work. I think it's a good place to work. And, you know, made better by your presence, certainly. Well, I appreciate that. Again, I'm starting to, to finally settle in and be like, okay, all right. But yeah, like going to winter meetings or even like spring training is like, so like we all work online and don't see each other face to face very much. But yeah. getting to all hang out and be like reminded of like, oh, what a talented like workplace full of like really good people. It's really it's really cool. Good, delightful, deeply strange baseball yes. folks. Oh, we we're are. all we're all big dorks. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very deeply strange. What we is, are. What an odd little group. <laughs> Wonderful, the, but odd. I always think like at the winter meetings, like if it were like a high school movie or like if there are clicks like we know we're the nerds in the cafeteria right like very decidedly like we're uh, that group and it's fine nerds are cool it's 2019 but like yeah. oh yeah we're that we're that click that's us yeah nerds nerds run the culture for better or worse yeah. um well so hey dylan i gotta go edit a thing Okay. And I'm going to, when we sign off here, I'm going to say, hey, can you go edit this thing? Sure. And so we're going to have to go do some editing stuff. But to wrap up, we are we are pro-Oxford comma. We are yeah. in favor of uh, minor league baseball and the Australian league. We like we like Australian baseball. Sure. Um, we like to, uh, what other editing things do we like to do? We like to lowercase major league baseball far more often than our colleagues seem to. 
Yeah, that's a thing. We don't we don't capitalize as many things. And the, I also I've noticed this in writers, but it comes as an editor also. Depending on other places you've worked, you have to yeah. like relearn style guides and like beat yeah. it out of yourself and be like, oh, I don't do that here. Yeah. The other one I see a lot, and I don't do too much to our writers, but definitely uh, in the community blog is uh, camel casing fan graphs. I just love the <sighs> term camel casing. Also, but yes, the the G in fan graphs is capitalized. It's files. capitalized. Yeah, yep. it's capitalized. It's capital add, G. Adding that one in there. Um, I feel, you know, we don't have to capitalize Major League Baseball or spring training or so, like sometimes when it's appropriate. But uh, we got a camel case and stylized fan grass name of our site. We're going to be particular about that. Yeah, we do. I like that there seems to be a, a, a correlation. The people who don't properly uh, camel case fan graphs improperly camel case depoto so that's just <laughs> the best yep. yep so that that's a thing did you did you see that the ap style guide has has shifted our way on the percent question yes i did see that and i was like yeah we do that that's, yeah that's reasonable we we as an analytics site are like hey you know uh, people understand numbers and they're not intimidated by a percent sign i don't know that that's the motivation behind ap's rule prior to now but i'm going to assume that it is a result of cowardice we're just going to say that <laughs> and they have changed it so now you can do uh the number nine not spelled out percentage sign not spelled out nine percent yes uh you know, you can do that. You can do 15% also, still not spelled out, but sure. um, no longer with percent spelled out like it used to be. It's going to take a lifetime for people to remember that, which is delightful. But I was glad that they saw reason. I'd like to think that they were responding to us. Yeah, we influenced AP style guide, clearly. Yeah, and, and no way the other way around. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the, the other thing I've noticed, and I imagine you're the same. I've only been an editor like this for, you know, a handful of years now, but it bleeds into the rest of your life and now you're that oh, yeah. awful person that oh, yeah. I assume you bite your tongue on correcting everyone all over the place everywhere. Uh, but you're like, uh, even in like signs and like ads and like publicly, like I've sent you pictures of like, look at this terrible apostrophe that doesn't belong here on this billboard or like something like that of like, what's going on here? Where is your editor? Mm-hmm. And also I, you know, I double as a podcast editor, which honestly at times is very similar to copy editing, just sure. in a entirely different format of like let me clean this up a little bit sure and it has changed how i listen to podcasts where it by no means ruins podcasts for me because i'm also a podcast i'm a podcast like non-baseball podcast listener sure but i hear every um i hear all of the ums that anybody has ever said in anything because i've trained my ears to pull them out and (laughs) now i'm just like oh where's their editor where where's that that could be trimmed by two seconds here and there sure it's not hellacious it's like i'm not suffering but i find it funny to be like oh i now have those glasses on and i just want to critique everybody everywhere well i don't i try to remind myself in those moments when i'm feeling sassy and snippy uh that i have gotten a hyphenation right like maybe one time in my entire life like one exactly once sure exactly one time and so it is humbling to know that this is my job and there's one aspect of it that I just like routinely get very, very wrong. Although AP has revised their uh, style guides around hyphenation as well. Oh boy. And so as a result of that, I'm able to maintain some perspective because, uh, you know, I, I, I goof too. We all need oh, an editor. 
that's well, that's the takeaways. We all need an editor, uh, and hopefully one as good as you, Dylan Higgins. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I edit your work, and if I were writing, I'd be like, Meg, read this, because like, yeah. it definitely, you know, extra eyes. And I think we're also spoiled in the 2019 editing of, like, I Google rules all oh, the time. Oh, yeah. I'm often like, you know, whether it's a hyphen or like, oh, what do I do with this semicolon again? And like, I can go look in 20 seconds and be like, oh, yeah, that's the rule. Like, right. That helps a lot. Like, I definitely don't know it all in my head. I just at times can look at it and go, I don't think that's right, but I don't remember how to do it. And I have to like go check. And, and that helps. Like, it's some weird modern version of being an editor where <laughs> it's like modern IT where you're like, I don't yeah. have to know how to problems. I just have to know how to Google them and right. how to fix them. It's and like I feel that. A lot of coding gets done that way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are mostly just fortunate because we edit very smart, good folks who don't make us work nearly as hard as other less good, less smart folks would, or at least less well-trained. I'm sure that everyone who writes is brilliant. It's part of why the community blog is a fun adventure. Yeah. Although you get get a lot of really good uh, diamonds in the rough that find their way out and steady contributors there. I'm always very impressed by the quality of our community blog writing. Yeah. It's pretty impressive that folks who are just starting out or haven't caught on at an outlet can produce work like that. It's just really cool. I'm glad that we have a forum to give voice to some of those folks. Get a lot of unique stuff. I've said before, it's it's the closest we can get to not graphs, rest in peace. Like it's never <laughs> like quite that wild, but I'm like something that doesn't quite fit the main page, like my fit of the community blog. Like sure. Let's Yeah, let's although check it out. Especially in the the Meg Rowley era of fan graphs, what is serviceable for the front page has become a more expansive list. It's it's diverse. It's all yes. over the place in a great way. And yeah, no. And there are times where I'm like, if I read another piece about launch angle, which is like very important and very interesting, we should be researching all of it. But when somebody's like, oh, I did something about... Like, I had one about stolen base rate in college baseball. And it's like, cool, never read about that. Yeah. Like, hit me. Like, I yeah. want to I hear it, you know? Yeah. So that's been really neat. Is it's just, like, truly all over the place with so many voices. I agree. Well, yeah. Dylan, this was lovely. I think uh, we will not go so long between, uh, sure. you know, your first... What am I trying to say? We'll have you back soon. There you sure. go. Going to do a little live editing of my brain. Sure. I'm ready to pinch hit. Sure. Yeah, and uh, and hear more about your various internships. But uh, for now, I will simply say thank you for joining me, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike.